Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to talk about one of our favorite third-party publishers on the planet, makers of Call of Duty, Activision. And more specifically, two stories that are going on around Activision these past 48 hours or so. The most important of which is one that was headlined at GameSpot as Investor Group Pissed. Activision Blizzard CEO is getting a $200 million payout. Activision Blizzard CEO will receive a payout thanks to the shareholder value creation incentive. Now, I don't know if that subheading is helping anybody on the planet Earth, but certainly the shareholder value creation incentive, a clause apparently in the employment agreement that Mr. Bobby Kotick, CEO of Activision Blizzard has, is an important part of this story. Simultaneous to this story, really only a couple of hours in real time after Bloomberg went out with it, is the fact that Activision Blizzard is laying off somewhere between 50 and 200 employees, primarily from their live services and esports divisions, and how bad this looks together. And there is no question in anybody's mind that optically, it looks terrible together. But one thing I want to talk about as part of this video is just what connection these things have, what function Activision Blizzard has in terms of employing people, and how that particular aspect of this story is getting misreported in places that I think is deliberately obfuscatory in order to make Activision look bad. And Activision can do its own best to look bad, believe me. So let's take a look at this article from GameSpot. We're going to dive into a number of aspects of it because there's a lot to go into here. Investor firm CTW, which I think stands for Change to Win, Investment Group is reporting that Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick is poised to receive a huge cash payout to the tune of $200 million. Now, there's a couple of things that are already at issue there, most specifically the cash payout component. So keep that in the back of your mind. According to a statement, the firm is none too happy about this. CTW isn't the investors in Activision as it appears to come as part of a loophole in the system. Now, that's interesting reporting as it stands. This is about an employment agreement between a company and its CEO. And this particular provision isn't a loophole. It's an actual negotiated concept in the document and has nothing to do with, quote unquote, the system. Undoubtedly, this is just coming from a letter that CTW has provided to GameSpot. So I'm not really objecting to the way it's being reported by GameSpot, but certainly the description here bears some further examination. Right up front, it bears mentioning that CTW is an activist investor group that has a mission to hold directors and executives accountable for what they describe as irresponsible and unethical corporate behavior. The numbers they reported appear to stem from their own calculations. And indeed, if you haven't been in virtual legality for a long time, we've talked about CTW before. They actually helped to orchestrate what we described in this thumbnail as an EA shareholder mutiny. They were set to vote on being able to account for the compensation to be paid to EA executives. And CTW, along with some other investors at EA, said no, essentially, on certain of the compensation packages, which ultimately wound up not having much of an impact on what Electronic Arts decided to do, except to make noise, right? This is a bit like having a vote of no confidence. If you're familiar with how those work in congresses around the world, or maybe even universities, where you can have the people that are stakeholders in a company effectively say, no, we don't like this thing. And it might not result in much on day one, but certainly expresses an overall friction in the company. And CTW was very effective in doing that. As GamePot says, CTW actually describes themselves as 
a group designed to hold directors accountable for irresponsible and unethical corporate behavior and excessive executive pay, which is what we're talking about today. Founded in February 2006, the CTW Investment Group works with pension funds sponsored by unions affiliated with Change to Win, a federation of unions representing nearly 5 million members to enhance long-term shareholder returns through active ownership. So these are investors that go and get invested in companies with the specific intent of being activists, of using their votes and the votes of potential proxies that they can collect to change things at these organizations. There is nothing wrong with this at all. As we've talked about in virtual legality, these shareholders are ostensibly the owners and operators of the corporations that they invest in. They are the ones that get to vote on the board, and it's the board that decides on the CEO and the compensation and all this stuff. So at a baseline level, there is absolutely nothing wrong with shareholders deciding that this is important to them, and they're going to try to make noise at these various public companies. Now, it's also worth noting that the letter that CTW apparently sent to GameSpot and and maybe some others, I would gather, has not actually appeared in their engagements document that they keep on their website. This is what we looked at with respect to the EA uh, say on pay provision. That hasn't appeared on their website yet. So we can't look at the language specifically in that letter. We have to take it on faith. But here's how GameSpot describes what CTW sent them. Kotick will reportedly receive this massive payout thanks to the shareholder value creation incentive provision in his employment agreement. This loophole, which again is a derogatory term that doesn't describe what's happening here. And it's very interesting that GameSpot just kind of repeats verbatim what it gets from what it admits is a slanted source, which is fine. All sources have biases, but you have to kind of account for that. I might throw an alleged in there where I writing for GameSpot on these kinds of things. That being said, this loophole allows Kotick to receive a full performance equity payout from previous years, regardless of whether company milestones were reached. Now, already we have a couple of kind of controversial things, right? This is a huge cash payout in the opening sentence, and it's an equity payout maybe three sentences later. We'll see that it's really up to the compensation committee as to what form the payout takes. So we can't actually say either of these things. And that, again, kind of presents as obfuscation when we're talking about the specifics here. As a result, and in the face of the company's share price increasing over 66% since December 2019, Kotick will get cash rewards. Again, cash rewards against equity payout. Who knows? Dating back to 2017. CTW Investment Group issued a statement reflecting much of what the company said last year when criticizing the Activision Blizzard CEO for raking in more than $30 million in 2019. While the increase in Activision's stock price is somewhat commendable, which ostensibly is what an investment group is designed to go and get, as we stated last year and continue to assert, this achievement alone does not justify such a, such a substantial pay outcome for the CEO. There are many factors that may contribute to a rise in this particular company's stock price that may not be directly attributable to Robert Kotick's leadership. The use of video games as one of the few entertainment options available amid the COVID-19 pandemic, for example, has been a boon to many companies in the gaming industry, irrespective of executive talent or strategic decisions. I don't disagree with any of this statement whatsoever. And as a matter of fact, it was based on this statement and kind of the thought process that they were using in sending this letter to GameSpot that I decided to take a look at what this company had described in its executive employment contract 
with Bobby Gotick. We're going to get to that in a second, but understand what they're trying to say here. We've got an investment in this company. We want the company to be making as much money as possible, not expensing more money than it has to because that accrues value to us. And in the midst of every video game company on the planet going up in value, a rock could have taken Activision to whatever its stock price did over the past year or even over the past four years, which is actually what's at issue here. So CTW is saying, yes, it's gone up in value, but Bobby Gotick wasn't responsible for it. And I think that's hard to disagree with, right? If you go and you look at Activision in the responsible area here is about 2017, the top of it to the end of 2020. That's what we're going to be talking about here. It goes from 36 some odd dollars to 90 uh, or more some odd dollars. But while that looks good in and of itself, you go and you look at other companies and their share prices. Here's Electronic Arts, similar kind of arc. You look at Ubisoft, different numbers here because they have a different source of capitalization, but same kind of arc. And it suggests that over the course of the pandemic, yes, these companies had a lot of growth that maybe the executives aren't entirely responsible for. And you can go and you can do this amidst a lot of public companies, especially in the tech fields uh, and video games most specifically. So already I'm looking at their statement saying, yeah, I think there's probably something to go on here. How did this happen? And what does it mean? Before we get there, though, I wanted to point out that GameSpot finishes as I suggested they would by talking about the layoffs. Though the two likely aren't connected, which is worth stating because they aren't connected at all, Activision Blizzard reportedly laid off some 50 employees. They are actually kind of conflicting reports on this. We're going to talk about that. The affected employees are expected to receive at least 90 days severance and health benefits for a year. We'll get back to that. But Bloomberg reporter Jason Schreier said they will also get a $200 Battle.net gift card, which is what people have been harping on. So we'll talk about that in just a second. But before we do, we have to dive into the wonderful world of Form 8Ks. Now, if you've been following my coverage of Microsoft and ZeniMax, you know we've talked about securities forms a little bit. A Form 8K is essentially a form that you file to say something special about your company that investors should be aware of. Here it is departure of directors or certain officers, election of directors, appointment of certain officers, or what we're actually talking about here, compensatory arrangements for certain officers. And this form goes on to say as follows. On November 22nd, 2016, Activision Blizzard entered into an employment agreement with Robert A. Kotick. So we're looking at the fall of 2016. Beginning on January 1st, 2017, under this new agreement, Mr. Kotick's base salary will be reduced to the annual rate of $1.75 million a year. Good work if you can get it. 100% absolutely not necessarily terribly unusual for a CEO's pay of a company as large as Activision. And remembering, of course... That although people like to get into it about executive compensation, Activision isn't just competing for the services of the Mr. Kotick's of the world against video game companies, but actually against all sorts of companies. You have all sorts of cross uh, collaboration amongst executives and board members uh, amidst all of these various companies. So 1.75 million, I have to tell you, isn't actually that ridiculous for a CEO's base pay in the United States for a company of Activision size. You don't have to love it. In fact, I don't blame you if you don't, but it's not unusual. And like every labor marketplace, there is a marketplace for CEOs with experience running companies of this size. But you say, Rick, okay, so his baseline salary is 1.75 million. How do we start talking about $200 million? You won't see that number in what is described here. 
The other thing worth noting as we go through this form, and we're going to skip a lot of the details here because they aren't useful and because they're just very difficult to understand. And the reason for that is that this is effectively a game of telephone, right? This form doesn't present a copy of the employment agreement. It provides a summary of the terms of the employment agreement. So we're already kind of one step removed from what the employment agreement actually says as interpreted by somebody that has filed a form with the SEC. So it's already kind of a little bit tricky. And then we take CTW's calculations based on this, based on an employment agreement we can't see. And you see how we get into these fights about what is actually at issue. Right now, though, we can tell you that the 1.75 baseline salary is subject to a 200% bonus. Beginning with the 2017 fiscal year, the target annual bonus for each fiscal year shall be equal to 200% of Mr. Kotick's reduced base salary. So another $3.5 million can be attached to his salary if he hits certain parameters that the compensation committee would put forth. In addition, the employment agreement provides for annual equity grants instead of an upfront grant structure and includes additional performance conditions and compensation committee discretion as to the form and total value of the annual awards as described below. So he's going to get stock and this is a public company and the stock goes up. You want the CEO to have skin in the game. You want him to be invested and incentivized to make that stock price go up. So you give a lot of compensation to the CEO in the form of equity and the hopes that they will be incentivized to make that stock go up. The employment agreement, and here's where the rubber hits the road as described by GameSpot and CTW, also provides for additional awards and payments in the event of a transformative transaction, which is not what we're talking about here, and in the event that certain shareholder value creation metrics are satisfied prior to December 31st, 2021, which is basically the end state of this particular agreement. If you hit these shareholder value creation metrics, basically what happens, we're going to look at the section where this is described, is that all the other rules and parameters that we put on around specifically the 2020 and 2021 compensation grants go away because you did this thing and that overrides everything. That isn't a loophole. A loophole in general is something that is between the lines that you can interpret in a specific way and get around the intent of a section. In this particular case, this is a specifically negotiated override of what are the other metric quantifications in this document. But as we'll see, it's not at all obvious that he didn't meet a lot of these metrics in any event, which kind of takes the sting out of whether or not he has achieved this shareholder value creation override. Now, as this summary of the document continues, Section 6A of the employment agreement provides that Mr. Kotick will be granted future equity incentive award stock for each of 2017, 2018, and 2019. The target value on the date of grant of each such award is determined by the compensation committee after taking into account a few things. One of those things is Mr. Kotick's performance. One of the other things, and this is worth noting, is the company's applicable peer companies. Any relevant changes in the business and market dynamics relevant to the company and company's projected performance relative to its long-term business plan. And again, I'm going to skip the rest of this because there's a lot of math and it's not useful for our conversation. But note what they say there. For 2017, 2018, and 2019, under this contract, the compensation committee is going to go figure out what stock we're going to give you based on a bunch of stuff, including what our peer companies are doing. 
satisfying the concept of what CTW is complaining about in their letter to GameSpot, which is, okay, if all the video game companies are rising by 50% or 60%, then we don't need to pay an exorbitant bonus to our CEO because he did nothing special. The rising tide lifted all the ships, so we should take into account things like our peer companies, market dynamics, all these various things. And this paragraph summary suggests that Activision knows how to write that. They know how to limit those things. They know to say, okay, we're going to look at the percentage return. We're going to look at all these various things based on what the rest of the market is doing. They don't do that for the shareholder value creation stuff, which we will see in just a second. On or about March 1st, 2021, Mr. Kotick will be paid, subject to performance and continued employment, an incentive award, having a grant date value determined by the compensation committee in its discretion with a whole bunch of different parameters. The primary parameter is what the annualized total shareholder return and compounded return is, the CAGR and TSR during 2020 long-term performance grant measurement period over the period from January 1st, 2017 to December 31st, 2020. And suffice it to say, shortening it for purposes of this video, if the stock price went up enough that the compounding return is about 25% or more, he gets 500% of what the compensation committee determined that he should get for the long-term performance grant that would be given in March of this year or has been given uh, a couple of days ago in March of this year. Now, it's worth noting, as we said, Activision share price way up over that period, right? It goes from like 36 to 90 something. And if we go and look at what just a standard kind of internalized compound annual growth rate would be for a 3611 starting point, he'd only have to get to 8816 to get that 500% rate. All of this is back of the envelope math. We don't know the specifics. We don't know what the average share price was. We don't know what the other mathematics that is specific to this agreement actually are. So take this with a grain of salt. But suffice it to say, he's going to be up somewhere at the top end of what he is owed in the 2020 long-term performance grant measurement period anyway, which means he's going to have earned most of this. It's also worth noting that had he not done that, if the share price and return compounded was less than 6%, one of the things that the agreement was slated to do, much like for the earlier periods, was to compare how the company was operating against other companies. The amounts payable in the event range from 90% to 120%, blah, 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 depending on how the company's TSR compares to the median total shareholder return of the companies listed in the Standard & Poor's 500 index, for the measurement period, but shall be limited in certain ways. We know how to index our company performance against the market. None of this is unusual. But again, it's skipped at the last step, and I do think CTW has a point about all of that. You then see that there's a 2021 grant that will be given in 2022, and it has a bunch more math that comes with it that we can skip because this wouldn't even be calculated at this point in time. But where the issue lies is in respect of this paragraph that you see on your screen right now. The employment agreement provides that in the event that any time prior to December 31st, 2021, the closing trading price of a share of the company's common stock equals or exceeds two times the average closing price of the company's common stock as determined during the period from October 1st, 2016 to December 31st, 2016, subject to certain adjustments and remains at or above that level for at least 90 consecutive trading days, then Mr. Kotick gets all this stuff, which we'll talk about in a second. But to de-legalize that for you, there's an average share price in the fourth quarter of 2016. And that's what Activision will have. If the share price doubles and stays doubled from this average in this neighborhood right here for more than 90 days, then what this agreement says is forget all this. Forget this. 
forget this, forget all this. And instead, you're going to be granted any of Mr. Kotick's then outstanding equity compensation to be granted under Section 6A will become vested. So anything that he got for the years prior to 2020 that were subject to vesting provisions that he could forfeit if he left the company tomorrow, that's all gone. That's all vested. That's worth something. A payment in shares or cash, which is what I was talking about when I said GameSpot didn't have specifics because there are no specifics to be had, as determined by the Compensation Committee, equal to the grant date value of any annual equity grants remaining to be made pursuant to Section A, shall be made 120 days after the shareholder value creation date, and the 2021 long-term performance grant will be paid 120 days after the shareholder value creation date, with the amount payable to be no less than 1.5 times the 2021 long-term performance grant value. So he's going to get a 50% kicker to what is likely a 500% kicker, and he's going to get vested all of the rest of the shares that he was otherwise paid in the prior sections because his share price doubled and stayed there. That is not a loophole. This is a negotiated concept. But note where CTW is correct. Unlike in almost every other section that we looked at, this is not tied to the market's movement. The fact that it doubled is not mitigated by the fact that the stock market was also up. It is definitely not mitigated by the fact that the peer companies or the market dynamics or other references that you saw were also up. And so the complaints here are justified, but they aren't quite as significant as you might think just reading through the CTW complaint and the GameSpot letter here, because in general, Bobby Kotick would have met all of these thresholds here for 2020. We don't know whether he would have met the 2021 thresholds. We can certainly believe that he would. These are mostly about making sure that you have enough revenues coming in and that that continues to go up. And the fact that it was effectively overridden or short-circuited by application of this negotiated provision doesn't change that fact. What it does is it accelerates the grants from these prior years. It accelerates the grant from 2020. It accelerates a grant in 2021 that otherwise isn't necessarily met yet. It puts them all into right now or specifically 120 days after the calculation will be made here, which is how you arrive at this giant, huge number. But it's worth noting that he would have already earned the prior years. The 2021 stuff is essentially just getting moved forward. And this was all a part of the negotiation at the initial stages. Now, that doesn't mean it's not worthy of complaint. In fact, I think there's plenty to complain about here, as I suggested. All of this stuff, this short circuit, this override, should be compared to the way the market is operating. You are trying to identify what your CEO is actually doing to benefit your company. And if the entire market has risen 200%, it doesn't much prove that this person should be getting all these stock, all this cash, whatever it might be, whatever form it might take from the compensation committee. So when you actually have these complaints, I think they're justified. They are, however, pretty easily kind of overtaken by thought process here, right? I've worked with Game Daily Biz a lot. I've worked with Sam Desitoff a lot. Great guy. I think he's great at reporting on these things. But like so many places, and I saw this a bunch of places on the internet, I'm just using this because I'm familiar with Game Daily Biz. He finishes off this kind of concept, this description of what's happening here with the ethical implications as determined by Game Daily Biz. The ethical implications of Activision Blizzard's ongoing layoffs are many, especially as we trudge through a pandemic that has killed an estimated 2.67 million people worldwide and seen millions of others lose their jobs. It's an ongoing crisis that is highlighting just how wide the gap between the wealthy elites and the working class truly is. 
it's time for corporate behemoths like Activision Blizzard to re-examine where they stand in terms of workers' rights. Now, I'm sure that Sam believes this, and this is a concept that is echoed in various other places, including the Bloomberg article that talks about this, where it's highlighted that they're firing these people, that Activision says that players are increasingly choosing to connect with their games digitally, so there's reasons to get rid of the esports team and the live services team, and then talks about their benefits. But at the end of the day, I want to say something. I'm a corporate lawyer. You can uh, disparage me for that as much as you want, and I'm sure some commenters will come into this video on, and comment on that specific aspect. But Activision, regardless of what it pays Bobby Kotick, and I don't think they wrote their quote-unquote loophole very well. I think there were better ways to cover changes in the market dynamics, and they have other sections that suggest they knew how to write around those things. But that mistake alone doesn't make Activision a jobs program. If a company is getting out of esports, is getting out of live services, they continue to have a fiduciary duty to their investors, including CTW, to try to make the most of the assets that they have under management. The fact that there's a pandemic, the fact that there are these very bad things, doesn't mean that Activision should just be throwing good money after bad and hurting the investments that people have made in that company. And that can sound callous, that can sound cold, and that's one of the reasons you see them giving pretty good severance packages that are ignored by a lot of the game reporting industry. 90 days severance that maybe wasn't otherwise owed under their contracts. Health benefits for a year. In the United States, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money, health benefits for a year. Job transition support, whatever. The fact that they tossed in a $200 gift card to Battle.net is being used as a noose around their neck. And I don't think it's deserved. If you say, hey, you got 90 days severance and health benefits for a year and I didn't give you a $200 gift card, I think this would actually be better received. And that's more likely to happen in future layoffs is that you won't get the gift card because places like Bloomberg and Kotaku and Polygon or whatever harp on the fact that you got the gift card and don't harp on the fact that you got 90 day severance and health benefits. And more importantly, that Activision is moving away from doing something that wasn't making them money. Now, hopefully there's another esports company or live services company that can come into being that can properly marshal its resources that maybe these people can find jobs at. And I very much want everybody to have a job that is well-paying and satisfying and gives them a great house and puts food on the table for their family. But the fact that Activision apparently is blowing extra money on Bobby Kotick doesn't change the calculus of whether or not they should continue to be in esports or live services. All it does is look very, very bad. And I can certainly acknowledge that while also saying to Sam and to Game Daily Biz that Activision Blizzard and corporations and management of the world, they don't stand anywhere in particular on workers' rights. They might be okay with a labor union working at their company. They might not be okay with it. But the workers themselves are going to be fired or laid off when their section or their division doesn't make the company money, whether they're unionized or not. People want to have this argument. Unions make sense in a lot of places. They don't make sense in a lot of places. But in each case, that argument is one to be had at the labor level, at these various entities and what those people want. And I can guarantee you that management, management doesn't have a position on that other than promotional. Why do you give 90 days severance? Why do you give a year of health benefits? For promotional reasons. You do it so that you can get out in front of these kinds of conversations and maybe not get an editorial drawn up against you that looks like this one from Game Daily Biz. This has been Virtual Legality for today, the $200 million man, certainly not the amount of money that Virtual Legality makes through YouTube or otherwise. So if you would consider supporting the channel, please check out our Patreon. 
Daily donated tips at Streamlabs, always appreciated. Just buy a shirt. We've got a lot of great shirts. Reasonable Minds can, of course, differ in, in this space. And if none of those appeal to you, just consider subscribing, ringing the bell, commenting on how silly I am in defending a company like Activision, and most importantly, tell your friends that we're having these conversations. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.